So uh, it's good to see everybody here. I am, uh, I am thankful for the opportunity again to take what is the low attendance Sunday of the, of the year and turn it into something that's special and fun and unique. I'm, I am uh, very thankful for the 200 volunteers, some of whom were here before 6 this morning setting things up. And, and there actually are people who work almost all year on uh, making sure that this thing works and works well. Uh, I'm thankful for great weather. I should let you know, uh, my prayer, sort of a prayer of almost of desperation is always, God, no thunderstorms, no lightning. You can, it's really hard to do a baptism service when you got lightning going on. I didn't pray for shade until just about, uh, you know, two days ago when someone said, you're praying that there's no lightning? No, pray for shade, pray for shade. And yeah, pretty obvious. Uh, I'll work on, work on getting that on the prayer list next year. Um, so I'm also excited. I'm excited for the fall. Uh, I'm excited for the baptisms we got coming up. So I think there's 65 people that are making a public declaration uh, to identify with Jesus. So... Baptism is one of the two sacred activities, one of the two sacraments that Jesus initiated himself. It's full of symbolism, right, that we're getting washed of our sins, that we're identifying with Jesus, going under the water in death, coming out in resurrection power. Uh, it's a profound thing that Jesus himself did. And then part of his mandate was that we were to go and take this good news to talk about Jesus, his life, his message, his death, his resurrection, his teaching, his example, were to take all of this, the kingdom that he launched, and spread it, and his people sign on, they are to be baptized. And so I want to say we got, I heard, I've heard between 60 and 70 people today being baptized. I want to say there's room for 71 and 75. So I don't get, quite honestly, if you've decided Jesus is who he claims to be, there really isn't any space to say, I don't really want to be baptized. This is what he tells us to do. It's one of the first things. It's a public proclamation of our identity with Jesus Christ. I believe there's a blessing that goes with it. I believe there's power there we can't completely understand. It's a bit of a mystery, but it is a first step. So you can still be baptized today. Uh, all you got to do is get in line when, uh, when the baptisms start, which will happen in just a bit. Uh, I'm excited about some other things this fall. We're going to launch a new service on Thursday nights. Uh, same sermon, very different format. It's going to be at Highland Park. Going to start after the remodel work that we're doing there is done so that we can launch. It's sort of targeting uh, young adults, targeting millennials. We're going to do The sermon will be the same but very delivered very differently. The service will be very different, something we haven't done before. I'm excited about that. We're moving the 01 which needs room to grow. We're moving that down into the sanctuary on Saturday night, so we're going to do a transition there. There's some, there's some really fun things that are in the works. I love the summer, but uh, I'm always excited when the fall comes around. So as some of you know, I, I took the last four weeks and wasn't preaching. So one of those weeks is vacation. Uh, Sherry and I got to hang out with some good friends, longtime friends from Canada who came down, and we sat at a little... Uh, cabin in Wisconsin for five days and did a lot of nothing and it was great and and wonderful and then my mom uh, came up from Little Rock I have two sisters that live about three hours west of here a brother that lives 
about an hour west of here, and then uh, another brother in, in Atlanta. But she sort of came up uh, to celebrate her 80th birthday uh, up here with all of us. And truth be told, she came up to run in this race. Uh, this, it's the Bix 7, and uh, it, it's a, I ran it the first time in high school, and there were 2,000 runners back when I ran it the first time. We thought that was unheard of. Now there's 20,000 runners and my family is very involved in this. And my mom got fifth uh, out, of, out of her age group. So I, I'm, I was never fast as a runner. Uh, even at 25 when I, you know, when I didn't weigh 150 pounds and I should have been fast, I wasn't fast. I'm really slow now that I've had a stroke. But my mom is fast. And uh, throughout high school, she would be in the paper almost every week for something. She's, you know, won a racquetball tournament or a volleyball tournament or a golf tournament or a sprint or a race. And I would get grief from these guys in high school who come up to me and they go, Woodruff, what happened to you? Like, your mom is this jock. And so I just eventually realized that the response was, if you make fun of me, I'm going to tell my mom and she's going to kick your backside. So... Uh, we had a week of, of vacation, and then um, the last three weeks I've been working on the fall, working on 2017, and taking some time, as I try to do at the end of the summer, to reflect and sort of do a little bit of an assessment, and what's the state of my soul, what's the state of my heart, and I came out of that, as I often do, by thinking, you know, I need to work harder to keep the main thing the main thing. It gets crowded out. And, uh, and one of the big takeaways, when I say the main thing, I'm talking about my relationship with God and, and being part of his work, right? Thinking about what it is that he wants to do, rather than asking him to bless what I want to do, thinking about what he wants to do and what he's doing, and more intentionally be a, a bigger part of that. One of the things that I took away from the whole health uh, episode I had a couple years ago was that I... I don't have forever to make a difference. Now, I believe we have forever, right? I believe that you have forever. I believe that every man, woman, and child is going to live forever. Some with God in heaven. And the opportunity for us to make a difference for, for forever is now. We are given that privilege. We are given that opportunity to be part of what God is doing, and so I just want to say, um, I I want to I want you to think about that. I've, I've been having my devotions recently in the Book of Acts. Um, so Luke, as you may know, wrote the Book of Acts. Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, which we've been in for a long time, which we will finish this year. Uh, we will, yeah. Some of you didn't think you'd be alive when we finished the Book of the Gospel of Luke. So. It is, it is perfectly sort of choreographed. If nothing goes wrong, we will finish right around Easter. So the whole death, resurrection of Jesus is going to sort of perfectly coincide with our study of the Gospel of Luke. And uh, in Luke, uh, Luke writes about Jesus, right? Announcement of his birth. We get his birth. We get him at 12. We get basically the focus of the Gospel of Luke is on the teaching the life of Jesus with a third of the Gospel of Luke being the last week of his life. Well, when the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus have happened, 
Luke doesn't stop writing. Right? He just he rolls over into a new book, and it's called the book of Acts. It's the Acts of the Apostles. And it gives us the 30 years, the first 30 years of the church. So it starts with just a handful of people who are huddled in a room, who are cowering, who are frightened. Right? Far fewer people than are here this morning. They're, they're distraught. Jesus is gone, and they're not really sure what's going to happen. And then in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes and, and empowers them and enlivens them, and they spill out into the streets, and they start talking about Jesus. And the, and the church is launched. And then we read through the book of Acts. Right? We read as, as, as it grows. It goes from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria. And we, we read as first it's just Jews that are following Jesus. Then it's Samaritans as well. And then it's Gentiles are following Jesus. And we just see throughout 30 years as the church continues to grow. And amazing things happen. And then the book of Acts stops. It doesn't end. Right? There's, there's three things about the end of the book of Acts that are noteworthy. The first one, the big one is, it, it just stops. There's no summary statement. There's no benediction. There's no wrap-up. There's nothing. He's writing, and then all of a sudden, he's not writing anymore. And, and one of the things that the church has understood about this over the last 2,000 years is that it doesn't end because we're to continue writing our own chapter. We're to continue writing a chapter in the book of, the book of Acts. Every generation, every church, every person gets an opportunity to write something about seeing the kingdom of God, this community of good news, of hope, of grace, this, this movement that Jesus has started to reconcile people to God and to reconcile people to each other, we have an opportunity to write our own chapter. And so what I want to say today is you have that opportunity, and I want to encourage you this year to take advantage of that opportunity. I, I want to encourage you, invite you to write an exciting chapter, to be more thoughtful this year, to be more prayerful, to be willing to take more risks for the kingdom of God. I want to encourage you to be more involved in the things of God. I want to encourage you to serve in ways that you may not be expecting to, right? To love other people in very practical ways. So maybe that's volunteering with kids. Maybe that's leading a small group. Some of you have been in small groups or or been at church for 30 years and you've not ever stepped up to lead your own small group because you're not ready. Well, guess what? You're not going to be ready next year either unless you do something different this year. If you step up, if you push yourself, you will pray more. You will think more. You will work more. Those are the opportunities where your life actually begins to change and be transformed. We can wait until God does that work in us. And often when that happens, right, it's because of a crisis. We grow because of a health crisis or a relationship crisis or financial crisis, and we become very dependent upon God. But we don't have to wait for those crises to grow. We can just decide that we're going to step up 
And, uh, and so I want to I encourage some of you to, who are not thinking about it right now to lead a small group or to work on a Matthew house or to volunteer to help with children or to, to volunteer at the Justice Center or, or to be involved in some way that is going to put you out and force you to take some risks. Now, this fall will be a little different than previous falls. In some ways, it's the same. We try to gear up, we try and make it easy for people to step back into sort of a groove, right? So there will be uh, all kinds of opportunities in the weeks ahead to sign up for a small group or to sign up uh, to volunteer. I'm going to be encouraging you to reboot all the spiritual habits that may be lax during the summer, to read your Bible for 10 minutes a day, to pray for 10 minutes a day. I- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do those things that you can expect. Uh, And we're going to have a fall campaign, as we have done in the past. Over the last 10 years, it was fence posts, and then after fence posts, it was uh, the life of Christ, and then we did seven deadly sins, and there was the broken series and the deep series. And every one of those fall series is sort of the same in the sense that there's a book, and we push small groups, and we've got small group extra materials and video teaching, and there's daily readings and all those things to try and help it make it very easy for you to sort of get back into the group. This year is slightly different. This year's campaign is called Future You. And I I wrote a book for Future You. It's called Future View. I I didn't come up with that. But um, the book is different, though, because this year the book is not for you. Okay, I'd love for you to read it. But I wrote the book for you to give to a friend. So my goal and objective was to say, I want to write a book that is safe for people to hand to their friends. Very safe, but that has a little bit of a spiritual hook to it. So you can hand it to a friend and then follow up with them and invite them to take a next step towards God. So this morning, 17% of Chicagoland is at a worship service. Christian worship service, 17%. 83% are not. Of the 83% that are not, like 95% of those people say they believe in God. And about 80% of those people say that they would go to church if they were invited. But they're never invited. So I, I want to encourage you. I wrote a book to make it as easy as possible. It's a safe book. I expect the number one thing I'm going to hear about this book is that it's not spiritual enough. And I'm going to say, that's because I didn't write it for you. It's not a Bible study. The book is about the future. I tried to write a book that would be of interest to everybody. So what I did is step back and said, what are the big trends that are shaping our world? What are the big forces? Not not just the last two years, but what are the big macro global trends? So we're looking at things like accelerating technology and and the fact that the world is getting smaller and globalization is occurring we're looking at at changing beliefs and ideologies these things have been happening for a hundred years they're going to likely continue to happen for the next five to ten to fifteen and so i just say where does this take us if these trends continue where does it take us and then are you ready to live in that world some of the ways that things are going to change I believe are, are good. Some of the ways things are going to change are not so good. But, but at the end, I say, look, clearly we are going to need good friends 
And we're going to have to figure out what ultimately matters and be centered. Because the world's going to get, I think, a little crazier and a little faster. And if you're not grounded in a relationship with God, then I think you've got some challenges. So that's the book. Get the book today, read the book, and then hand the book out to somebody. That's the whole point this year of the book. So, um, look, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you to take a risk with somebody. And so what we're going to do, you should have received uh, a rock when you came in. Like, oh, wow, I'm getting a rock. Um, So you should have gotten a rock, and you should have gotten a pen, a marker, uh, a Sharpie. Here's what we're going to do with these rocks. So in Joshua chapter uh, 3, we read about the Jews crossing the Jordan River. They've been out in the desert for 40 years, right? So this is following Moses leads them out of Egypt. They, they, the Red Sea parts, they're supposed to go into the promised land, but they don't. They don't follow God's counsel, so they got to wander around the desert for 40 years. At the end of those 40 years, Moses dies. Joshua is put in charge, and he leads them to the Jordan River that they're going to cross and then head into the promised land to claim what God had given them. So the Jews, the Jordan River, I've I've stood on the banks of the Jordan River. It's not a very wide river. It's not a whole lot wider than this stage, like 20, 30 feet. But but it is a swift-flowing river. There's a lot of descent with the Jordan River. And there's no sandy bank. So you've got to understand, the Jews have been living in the desert for 40 years. So, they have not swam for 40 years. Everybody that is under the age of 40 has never swam. So this little river, this fast-moving river, is a real threat. And they don't think they can cross it. And it doesn't have a sandy shore by it, so you can just step out an inch or two. If you look at the Jordan River, you're looking down and you go, okay, I have no idea how deep that is. Like, that could be 100 feet deep. That could be 2 feet deep. I have no idea. So... The, the, the coaching that Joshua gets from God and gives to the priests, they've got the Ark of the Covenant where the, the stone tablets, the Ten Commandments are, and some other things that they have. These are in this, in this special box that Steven Spielberg made famous, and they're going to you know, walk across. Uh, they, they've got it on poles. And, and God says to them, Joshua coaches them, okay, we're going to line everybody up behind you. You're going to go to the bank of the Jordan River, and you're going to step into it, Right? And so you're going to step, and there's no being tentative about this, right? You can't just stick your toe in. You're going to step into the Jordan River. And what it says is that God will cause the water to heap up at your side. So we've got got another amazing moment. And in order to commemorate that and their faithfulness and what God has done, God tells Uh, an elder of each of the 12 tribes, when you're in the middle of the river, you are to pick up a stone, and we're going to build a monument uh, to remind ourselves of what God has done. So we're going to build a piece of art, actually, with all of these stones. And here's what I I want to challenge you to do. I want you to write one word on this. It is the name of a person that you are going to pray for, invest in, invite 
Right? I just want you to write. Don't write a last name because we're going to make a piece of art, and it might be a little awkward if they show up and they go, what's my name doing on, this, on, on your wall? So don't write their last name. Just write their first name. So I'm going to pray for us and then give you a minute to reflect on who you're going to invite and then to write their name. Heavenly Father, we want to be about your kingdom. We want to see it advance. We look in the book of Acts, and we see that this group that was cowering and huddled and small is all of a sudden amazing and awesome and is expanding in every direction. And we want to be part of that. We want to be part of this, of this you know, multiplicative effort that, that sees your kingdom expand. So guide us to that end and give us soft hearts to other people. And in particular, to the person whose name we are writing, would you do a work in their life and in their heart and bring them to you? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So write their name on this rock. And then after this... um, service, we're going to collect those. I want to say one more thing. For those of you who are type A, who said, would have said there were three things about the book of Acts. He only said one of them. I'm going to double back here. The, the, the second one is of interest to, I don't know, uh, scholars or geeks, uh, depending upon your perspective. But the book of Acts ends before any comment is made about the destruction of Jerusalem. We know that in, in AD 70, the Romans destroyed Jerusalem. This massive temple that Herod the Great had spent 40 years, had 10,000 people working on it for 40 years, spectacular temple is destroyed. The Romans, they got the whole Roman Empire, are fed up with the rebellions that keep happening in Israel. And so they set out to wipe them out. Literally, they want to destroy it and plow it under. And the name Israel at that point is banished. So they come up with the name Palestine. They're going to change that. And the Jews move into the diaspora at that point. All of that is significant for a scholarly reason because what it tells us is Luke finishes writing before 70 AD. He had written the book of Luke before that. So you just keep backing up. When I went to college... And in a religion class, I was told the New Testament was written hundreds of years after the events. And all these things were made up because nobody was around. Okay, no, it wasn't. We now have fragments that we can date within 30 years of of Christ's life. And we've got just this obvious thing. Luke wrote the book of Acts before, ending it before 70 AD. He wrote the Gospel of Luke before that. Jesus is, is dying around 30, 33 uh, A.D. And so it's one of the reasons the book of Acts is significant, the ending of the book of Acts is significant, is because it just stops. One of the reasons it's significant is because it helps us trust the New Testament. A third reason, and this was what came out of my devotional studies this year, a third aha observation was that part of the reason It ends when it does in God's providence is he doesn't want to tell us what happens to Paul because Paul's not the hero. Jesus is. And so much of the last part of the the book of Acts is about Paul. I just think in God's providence he wanted to remind us 
Don't get confused with what matters. It's about Jesus. And so I want to say to you, I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to take some risks. Things that you're not currently doing, things you're not even comfortable thinking about. I want you to believe that God can and will use even you to expand his kingdom. And I want to encourage all of us to make certain that we always keep it about Jesus. Father, bless this day, bless this time, bless this year. To your glory we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together as we close our time. We're about to celebrate with 65 people at least. And as Mike said, there's room for 66 or 67 or 68. We are going to celebrate with them our salvation. So let's sing together. And let's be reminded of God's goodness and the salvation that we have in Him. There is love that came for us, humble to a sinner's cross. You broke my shame and sinfulness. You rose again, victorious.
saved me. It is written, Christ is risen. Jesus, you are Lord of all. You are stronger. You are stronger. Sin is broken. You have saved me. It is written, Christ is risen. Jesus, you are Lord of have a seat for just a second. A few announcements about the rest of the day. Um, In just a minute, I'm going to pray for us, and we are going to start heading that direction to the small pond where the baptism will take place. Um, It's about a 10-minute walk. If that sounds uh, a little daunting, there are golf carts that can ferry you over So just look around for one of those. As you are headed that direction, there will be people with baskets to collect your stone and the marker. Um, If you are being baptized, and if you are being baptized, especially if you did not ever sign up and go through a class, if you're being baptized because you go, you know what, I need to do this, it's a nice day, let's get it done, then when you get close to the pond, you will see someone with some balloons. That's where everyone who's being baptized is going to gather for some final instructions. Um, After the baptism, we are going to immediately begin the picnic. That's in about 40 minutes, and that's at a pavilion that direction. So you want to head that that direction when this is over. We want to encourage you to head all the way in that direction for the baptism, but that is also where the food is. Um, just a couple things about the food. First of all, um, we think we got plenty of food. But if you're first in line, please know there's a thousand some people behind you. And so don't take all the food. There's a thousand some people behind you. We don't do picnics for 1,500 people every day. We're not exactly sure how much food to have. There's probably more than enough. You can go back a second time. <laughs> Secondly, no one eats alone. So uh, we, we set this up so you get to meet people. So extend the circle. Bring people in. Everybody's got name tags on. You go, I don't know everybody. Of course you don't. Nobody does. That's why you've got name tags on. There's eight different services. How would you know who other people are? But this is an opportunity to meet some other people. Uh, third, you'll see some buckets looking for a donation. Uh, so it... it This costs us about $10 a person to do. If you can do that, great. If not, please don't feel under any obligation. we got a great facility here. By the way, you see people in green shirts. These are the people that were volunteering from Christ Church. Most of the banner uh, day staff are wearing orange shirts. Be sure to say thank you to the people uh, in the orange shirts. In addition to all the people who were not at the service right now because they're cooking your lunch. So as you walk past them, be sure and thank those people as well. Um, After uh, lunch, you can buy a copy of the book. Books are $10. I don't make a penny on these books. I'm not writing these books to make money. I'm writing these books so you will use them to invite your friends. These are our costs. So buy a book. Buy a few copies of books for other people. 
please um, read it and then hand it out. Everything kicks off related to this series on 9-11. Easy day to remember, okay? Actually on 9-10, Saturday night, but 9-11 is the Sunday. And you want to encourage, you want, you want to read the book and then give the book to somebody else and then have enough time to follow up with them and say, you know, if any of that is of interest, why don't you join me? Come to my church because this guy's going to, the guy that wrote the book is going to talk about that and how we prepare. The series in the fall is going to be going to the book of Daniel, the first few chapters, to look at how Daniel and his friend Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego survived in a world that was changing, in a radically different culture, a culture that was advanced. It was one of the, Babylon was one of the seven wonders of the world. It was, pro, it was unbelievably artistic. It was also a military machine. It was advanced. So what do Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do in order to thrive in a different culture? That's what we're going to be looking at. Things like wisdom and courage and faith and hope and friendship. Uh, all of those will be part of the series. We were going to kick that off on 9-11. Um, after... After lunch, 1 o'clock, we've got kickball that's going to start for uh, those in high school and middle school. We've got a softball game, 12-inch softball game for uh, adults. If you have questions, uh, again, people in green shirts are the ones, uh, the ones to ask. So uh, why don't you stand for a prayer that is going to include the baptism, lunch, and the rest of the day. Father, thank you again for a glorious day to meet, for a chance to meet, for the privilege to be together. Thank you for a mission, a calling, an opportunity to be involved in your work that's going to matter forever. I pray that you would bless today. Pray that you would uh, meet with those who are being baptized. I pray that you would bless the food. Thank you for the many people that worked on that. Thank you for the worship teams and the tech teams and the setup teams and the cleanup teams and all the people that have been working for six months to pull together today. Thank you for their work. Bless them. Bless this day. Use even us this year to advance your work. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.